Welcome back to another episode of the Unlearning Podcast. My name is Ashley Lynn Hanks, and I am your coach, your guide, and your biggest cheerleader on your unlearning journey. The Unlearning Podcast is all about helping you learn to love Jesus and your neighbor through healthy, life-giving Christian theology. On today's episode, we are continuing our series on the Gospel of Luke and spending time examining the call of Christ upon our lives and the lives of the disciples. I know that doesn't sound like the most tantalizing podcast episode to you, but I want you to consider for a moment, what is God's calling upon your life? Have you ever taken the time to really wrestle with your calling, considering what it might be? I've been reading a book by Greg Levoy on this very topic. It's called Callings, Finding and Following an Authentic Life. And the book is amazing. Levoy wrote, and I quote, Calls are essentially questions. They aren't questions you necessarily need to answer outright. They are questions to which you need to respond, expose yourself, and kneel before. You don't want an answer you can put in a box and set on a shelf. You want a question that will become a chariot to carry you across the breadth of your life. A question that will offer you a lifetime of pondering that will lead you toward what you need to know for your integrity and draw you to what you need for your journey and help you understand what it means to burst at the seams. End quote. I love Levoy's articulation of a calling, questions that when we pursue the answers, life bursts within us at the seams. When we think about this special feeling of being called to some things, we sometimes limit it to our understanding of ministry, as if having a calling is only for those special holy people who love the church, who feel called to serve the church. But God calls all of us to different vocations. Some people are called to be lawyers. Some people are called to be janitors. Some people, mothers and others, activists. Some people are called to be both mothers and activists. God makes no distinction in what we are called to do. It is all holy. It is all sacred. It's all a matter of truly understanding and embracing what you are distinctly called to do. For some of us, this special feeling we have of being called towards something is frightening. We are afraid of what it will cost us, what we have to sacrifice in order to pursue our calling. Perhaps you do feel called to ministry or to be an artist or even a parent, but this call is so challenging and so costly that you feel unsure if you're even willing to make the sacrifice. This fear is normal, and it is an essential part of the call experience. By looking at the moment when Jesus called the disciples to ministry, I hope to inspire you to overcome your fear and to possibly reconsider your own call or reimagine what it might be. My hope is that this episode will give you the strength and the courage to step out into your own calling and into all of those unanswered questions into a spiritual life of maturity, growth, and adventure. Let's get started. As evangelicals, we are taught that God is calling all of us to the same single mission, and that mission is evangelism. We were taught that the Great Commission is God's great purpose for all of us, and that we are to do everything we can to honor God by spreading the gospel message of sin and salvation. Now, on some level, I believe this is true. I believe we are called by God 
to honor the divine within us and to celebrate God's goodness by practicing a radical love. But I'm not sure about evangelism, especially when we define evangelism as convincing people that they're sinful and condemned to hell. Is persuading other people that they are damned to hell really the Great Commission? Is this really what God wants? Does our Creator really call all 7 to 8 billion people on this planet to simply live their lives in constant pursuit of convincing people that they are, they are headed for hell if they don't check off the Christian box in their bio? What about climate change? Whose job is it to persuade people to actually believe that the ice caps are melting? And what are the consequences of failing to persuade one another to accept the damage that we are causing our planet? And what about gender or racial equality? Who is called to this very important work, a kind of work in which the lives of literally billions of people depend? Who is going to help immigrants, if not the highly specialized lawyer who is skilled in getting the law on their side? Pastors have often argued that it is through our secular work that God calls us to evangelize, but that's awkward and often very misleading. Are we helping immigrants so that they can be persuaded that they are sinful and need Jesus? What if they don't agree? Are we taking care of the planet so that people can believe that they are born in sin? What if they stay devoutly Buddhist or atheist? Does this mean we have failed to live out our calling? These are real questions we have to answer if we are going to unlearn some of the toxicity around how we understand the purpose of our lives. I once heard the Rev. Canon Susan Russell of the Episcopal Church say that our purpose in life is to be in relationship with God and others. I love that. I believe that. To be in relationship, to connect, to love, to respect, and to help each other. Notice that she didn't say that our purpose is to obey God and one another, but to be in relationship. I see this call to relationship as the healthiest understanding of our mutual purpose as human beings on earth, regardless of how we define God or the divine. We are called by God to be in relationship with God and others, and I believe that each of us is called to a deeper, more personal call that expresses our unique gifts talents, and longings. In the Gospel, according to Luke chapter 5, we read the story of Jesus calling his first disciples. Let's hear Luke's account of when Jesus called the disciples in order to better understand God's calling upon our own lives. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to burst. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. 
for he and all who were with him were astounded at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. It's weird that right when Peter pulls in a huge catch, he's called to go somewhere else, to do something he doesn't fully understand. It's like having a small business and right when people start buying your product and you go international with this distribution, God calls you to sell your business and to move on to something completely different, something unknown, something that will cost you everything. But that's what this moment with Jesus and the disciples teaches us. Sometimes God calls us to leave what we know to enter into the unknown. I don't believe God's call for Peter to become a fisher of men is is God's call for all Christians in all times of all history. But I do believe God is calling each of us to some unique form of service to the betterment of the human race, regardless of what people do and do not believe. In Greg Levoy's book on callings, he wrote, and I quote, The critical challenge of discernment, knowing whether our calls are true or false, knowing how and when to respond to them, knowing whether a call really belongs to us or not, requires that we also tread a path between two essential questions. What is right for me and where am I willing to be led? Discernment requires that we ask these two questions continually and devotedly in hopes that by doing so, providence will, in due course, be alerted to our desires and answers will find us. End quote. I love that. The critical challenge of discerning our calling is treading between those two questions. What is right for me and where am I willing to be led? The call of God upon your life should not be burdensome. The Christian life was never meant to be a constant crucifixion. God's calling upon your life should not be something you have to force yourself to do, but something that ignites your soul and fills you up to the brim. Although our callings are not burdensome, they are seldom easy. In fact, what God often calls us to do shakes us up. In his book, Levoy tells the story of someone who was searching for their calling in an unshakable vision. His friend was looking for a calling that was so sure and so certain and so foolproof that it was an unshakable vision. But this is never how life works. God never gave Moses an unshakable vision when he told Moses to go back to Egypt and to demand that Pharaoh let my people go. There was nothing certain about that. What Moses lacked in an unshakable vision, he gained in an unshakable God. Yahweh was going to deliver the Israelites whether Moses was part of this liberation or not. It was the same with Esther. When Mordecai told Esther about Haman's plot to kill the Jews, begging her to speak up on behalf of her people, he sensed her hesitancy. This call was not an unshakable vision, but God is an unshakable God. Mordecai told her, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for such a time as this. Perhaps God has called you 
to a, a shakeable vision for such a time as this. Levoy goes on to write that we must therefore be willing to be shaken up to submit ourselves to the dark blossomings of chaos in order to reap the blessings of growth. Much of this is axiomatic. Stress often prompts breakthroughs. Crisis points toward opportunities. I'm quoting Levoy here. Chaos is an integral phase of the creative process and protest abets the cause of democracy. The whole science of immunization is based on this wisdom. We introduce a little bit of chaos in order to prevent a lot of chaos. Just enough, but not too much. We shake up the system for the sake of helping it evolve and become stronger. End quote. It's interesting, isn't it? Submitting to the dark blossomings of chaos, introducing a little bit of chaos in order to prevent a lot of chaos. If God is calling you to be an actor or a social worker, or even in an intimate relationship with someone else, don't look for an unshakable vision. Consider submitting yourself to being shaken up, to entering into the dark blossomings of chaos, to a life of unanswered questions and to the uncertainty of adventure. Sometimes following our calling can feel like we are working all night, catching nothing. But if the Spirit of God is nudging you to go out into the deep water and let down your nets, consider trusting God's Spirit with your calling. Sometimes toxic shame can settle in when, we, when it comes to our calling. We feel like Simon Peter, ashamed of our longings and spiritual yearnings because we wrongly believe that we aren't good enough to pursue our calling. Remember that Jesus encouraged the disciples to not be afraid. Instead of fish, they would be catching people. Instead of what they always believed was their calling, God was calling them to use their skills to a different mission, to step into the unknown and to follow Jesus. I often think about my own calling upon my own life. I definitely feel called to be a wife and mother. I've always felt that way. And I thank God every day that I get to live out that calling with Jen and our baby girl. But I also feel called to spend my life in ministry serving a church. I love to preach and I especially love pastoral care. Being there for people in the best of times and in the worst of times. I anxiously await the day that I get called to visit someone in the hospital or to go to someone's home to be with them and pray. This podcast is an extension of that call to ministry. I feel called to do this work with you, to shepherd you towards a healthy relationship with Christ through the process of unlearning. But in addition to all of that, I also feel called to be a writer, specifically a creative writer. Last January, I began writing creatively again. I began outlining a limited series about the missing child of a lesbian couple in the South in the 1990s. I began working on my novel. I took a year-long class with the Writing Academy with the Golden Crown Literary Society for Authors. I just finished a pilot script and plan on submitting it to various festivals. I find so much excitement and fulfillment in creative writing. It's a different kind of fulfillment than what I experience with my relationship with my family or the church, but it fills me to the brim. And so I know that God is behind this, that God is calling me to this and to the church and my family. But what happens if we don't answer our call? Levoy also wrote about this. He wrote, and I quote, If we do not do so, if we do not answer our call, the Sufi poet Kabrit said that our lives will be infected with a kind of weird failure. We'll feel alienated from ourselves, listless and frustrated and 
and fitful with boredom, the common cold of the soul. Life will feel so penetratingly dull and pointless that we may become angry and turn the anger inward against ourselves, which is one definition of depression. Or feel seized by the impulse to run madly out of the house, down to the river, and search among the bulrushes for a miracle. End quote. That's a lot. That's what can happen, though, if we do not answer our calling, if we don't even take the time to explore what it might be. I want you to think about God's calling on your own life, but try to put evangelism on the table for a minute. Leave it there and go for a walk. Take your dog or your son or a cup of coffee and really let yourself dream of what your life could be. I believe the Spirit of God The spirit of the divine is constantly nudging us towards our calling. I also believe that that calling sometimes changes or evolves. Don't fall into this pit of weird failure where your soul sits in a kind of boredom or ennui. Answer the call of God upon your life to whatever that may be, and trust that even in the dark blossomings of chaos, that God is there with you, helping you live out your great adventure, the one that you were created to live one day at a time. Thank you so much for joining me on this unlearning journey. Until next time, my name is Ashley Lynn Hanks, and you are listening to The Unlearning Podcast.